Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board, presented by Bet and GM. Michael Beller here with you. It is Tuesday, April 26th. We are just a couple of days away from the first round of the NFL Draft, and that is what we are going to be talking about here on this episode of Best on the Board. We've been bringing you uh, draft prep, draft draft prop, excuse me, draft prop episodes for the last week or so. This is the last one, so hopefully we can put them all together, find some bets that we like as we get ready for the first round of the NFL Draft. Joining me for this episode of NFL Draft Prop Fun is Sheil Kapadia, Sheil, an NFL writer here at The Athletic. Sheil, what's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, two days away, but so much uncertainty. I mean, these odds are changing. Every time I look up, the odds have changed for some uh-huh. of this stuff. So uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think there are going to be some surprises Thursday night and really uh, really throughout the draft. So it's a, it's a unique setup, I feel like, compared to some previous drafts. Yeah, it really is uh, that we have, I mean, uncertainty right at the top, which hasn't been the case for either the last two years when we knew that it's Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and we knew there was going to be plenty of quarterback action early on in these drafts and we just had more of a feel before things were maybe going to get off the rails over these last few years and that is just simply not the case this season. The greatest case in point we have for that is that Aiden Hutchinson was the betting line favorite to be the first overall pick for God, the better part of a month, really, basically since like the end of the NCAA tournament all the way uh, up until just a couple of days ago. And now suddenly that's flipped to Trayvon Walker. So it really gives us an idea of just how crazy this draft, at least the first round of this draft, might be. You have a great column up on The Athletic right now. It's the 10 Draft Commandments. And so we're going to use that as the basis for this episode. We're going to run through a handful of the commandments and figure out ways that maybe we can apply that to our NFL draft prop betting process. Are you ready to roll? Ready to rock and roll with that? Sounds good. All right, let's do that. One of your 10 draft commandments. Take big swings at quarterback. So Malik Willis, the favorite to be the first overall quarterback selected, minus 155 there. You've also got Kenny Pickett as the second favorite in that at plus 135. So, I I mean, how do we translate that? To me, Malik Willis feels like a great fit at eight to the Falcons, and maybe that's the big swing that a team takes on someone like Malik Willis, but there are a handful of teams, I feel like, that could qualify for this one. Yeah, so when I wrote that, you know, my, my, my take was really that if you look around the league, uh, there are a lot of competent quarterbacks. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like 20 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, you could just pick a, a bunch of NFL teams and be like, this team has no shot with this specific quarterback. They're just doomed mm-hmm. from the get-go. And I don't feel like that's where we are right now with the league. I mean, any team could have Jimmy Garoppolo. Any team could have Baker Mayfield. You're not throwing a parade if you get either one of those guys. But at the same time, you know, could you win nine or ten games with those guys? Yeah, we've seen 
seen it happen here mm -hmm. in the past couple of years. So to me, it's all about upside in the draft. And, and so that's why I think Malik Willis, if I were a team and looking at these quarterbacks and saying, all right, who am I taking a swing on? Knowing that the hit hit rate isn't great. Knowing that I have questions about every single prospect. He's the guy who you can envision that ceiling just because of the physical, the athletic gifts. Now, Having said that, uh, I'm not sure that anyone's going to take a swing on him early. You know, I think the Panthers at six are kind of the mm -hmm. first team we look at and say, are they going to draft quarterback or not? I sort of feel like if they do, Kenny Pickett might be uh, ahead of Malik Willis on their board. The Falcons at eight, you mentioned them, you know, that, that would be a lot of fun. Some of the Falcons offseason moves, you know, lead, lead me to believe that they're kind of okay being terrible in 2022. They have one of the sure. worst rosters in the NFL and maybe they come back in 2023 and draft a quarterback. The Seahawks at nine, they're a bit of a wild card. We don't know if they're going to uh, take a quarterback. And then after that, uh, I think you look at the Saints uh, at 16 and the Steelers at 20. So uh, I actually don't love the, uh, the, the props, the odds of Malik Willis being a top 10 pick, I, I think, and again, uh, I could be very wrong about this, but my, uh, my feeling right now is that he's going to fall outside the top 10. He's minus 110 to be a top 10 pick, so just that standard juice line of minus 110. And it's it's really interesting because, like, like so, like, talking about the Falcons, there's there's a narrative here also with him being from Atlanta and then being a bad team and got Marcus Mariota, they could let him sit for a year, all that. But, like, if you really are a team that is projected to be as bad as the Falcons are going to be, and you look ahead to next year, and you see C.J. Stroud at the head of a much better quarterback class than what we're looking at this year, it's tempting to wait, right? Like, maybe that's the big swing. Maybe the big swing is suck this year and wait for next year. I, it's not crazy. I think a lot of teams, honestly, this has been their strategy this offseason. And it yeah. might not be as uh, explicit as you <laughs> phrased it there, but it is. Hey, we don't, you know, let, let's not waste our resources on a guy who we don't love this right. offseason, whether it's trading for a veteran or drafting a rookie. Let's accumulate some assets. You know, I'm in Philadelphia. I think that's what the Eagles specifically are doing. You know, they already made a trade to get a pick next year where I think they're looking ahead saying, hey, who's, who's next year's Russell Wilson? Wilson going to be? Who's next year's uh, Matthew Stafford going to be? Is it going to be Kyler Murray? Is it going to be somebody else where we can trade uh, for that veteran? Or like you mentioned, uh, Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud. I mean, there are some quarterbacks. Uh, a lot can change year to year, but there certainly appear to be, as we sit here right now, uh, some quarterbacks in next year's draft that look like they're probably going to be better prospects than the ones in this year's draft. Kenny Pickett over under of 12 and a half with the over being minus 185. So a significant favorite too. It's going to be an interesting first round for the quarterback position. Next 10 draft commandment we're going to talk about here. Properly assess the abilities of your coaching staff, which makes a ton of sense. So translate that for us into draft talk. What are the, if there are any, obvious or semi-obvious player and team, player and scheme, player and coach fits that we could see here in this first round on Thursday night? Yeah, I just think you don't want to overrate or underrate the abilities of your coaching staff. And what I mean by that is you'll hear, hear NFL people all the time complain about college prospects and college coaching staff. So this guy doesn't run a full route tree. You know, this guy's uh, offense was RPO heavy. Uh, this cornerback didn't play a lot of press coverage. It's like, you know, your job is to coach NFL coaches. I think they forget that uh, sometimes. So uh, I think you have to good, have a good assessment of that. You know, if I were a team like the Los Angeles Rams, I would say, you know what, uh, my coach has a pretty good track 
track record of maximizing the talent we give to him on offense. So if we see a high upside guy, maybe with some questions, uh, we feel like we can probably get the most out of him. Where if, if you look at some of these other teams, uh, that's probably not going to be the case. So, you know, just a couple, uh, a couple matches I, I sort of like in the first round. Uh, we talked about Malik Willis. Man, I can just picture him in that Steelers uniform. A nice, stable franchise, uh, a great head coach. They'll have a plan for him. It's not going to be wishy-washy where you're doing one thing one day, something else the other day. They'll hold him accountable. They'll have a plan for how he can get better. And so that's one that I like a lot is uh, Mike Tomlin and Malik Willis. And then one other one I had down was uh, Andy Reid and George Pickens. You know, George Pickens, the Georgia wide receiver, is one of the more intriguing players in this year's draft. Just, I mean, you watch him and you're saying this guy has superstar traits, high ceiling. Uh, Our own Bruce Feldman wrote a, a good article yesterday with some kind of anonymous intel saying that, you know, maybe some of the intangible stuff with George Pickens is not great where he needs to go to a good situation with a good head coach. And Andy Reid just has never been afraid to kind of take flyers on those types of guys with talent. So that's another one that kind of stuck out to me. After the Tyreek Hill trade, too, you figure they're going to be there's they're coming out of this draft with a wide receiver. Maybe it's not early. Maybe it's not as early as Pickens is going to go. But we know they're going to be in the market for a wide receiver. So that one that one makes a lot of sense, and that would be a fun one. There, really, any receiver, especially if it's one of those those back end guys. And we know that we're we're looking at. Uh, Garrett Wilson and Drake London and Jamison Williams as most likely the first three receivers off the board in some range. Then that next tier is like Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, and then right George Pickens, Sky Moore, Christian Watson. Like there's Jahan Dotson probably going to be a late first yeah. round pick. Like it's a super interesting draft for wide receivers. And one of the like someone ended up with the Chiefs, someone ended up with the Packers. Like it, it gets really fun when we start to put those fits together. Yeah, especially with those two teams you mentioned because the Chiefs and the Packers, both with two first-round picks, and I mean the Packers... Just did, I don't know if any team has a more urgent need than the Packers and wide receiver. I mean, they're ready to contend for a Super Bowl right now, and they've got nothing there. So you feel like whether they're going to sit back or trade up, that they're going to be a player in the first round. And then the Chiefs, you know, their timeline is longer. They've got a young quarterback, so they can extend this thing a little bit. But still, you know, they, they want to compete for a Super Bowl in 2022, and you have a feeling that whether they trade up or, or kind of sit there, they're going to end up with wide receivers as well. Yeah, and they, that plays right into another one of the 10 draft commandments. Know your opponents. I mean, there's there's no way, is there, uh, that the Packers come out of this first round? Like, he's two picks without at least one of them being a wide receiver? I mean, they they have to take yeah. someone. And if, if I'm them, I am salivating over the possibility of Chris Olave at 22. Yeah, I, I think Aaron Rodgers might maybe threaten to retire if they uh, if they don't come out of the first round. Take your forty five mil and get the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean, so, yes, yeah, so, you know, know your opponent. I, yeah, I'd be calling the Packers if I'm a team who's sort of picking in the middle of the first round, and one of those guys starts to slip a little bit. Yeah, I'd be calling the Chiefs. I'd be calling the Packers, saying, "Hey, you sure you don't want to come up and uh, get mm-hmm. your guy?" Uh, you know, you know, uh, another team I'd be calling is the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the Panthers have the sixth pick. They don't pick again until one thirty seven. And, uh, you know, you, I, I like looking for sort of unstable coaching situations, uh, unstable franchises. And I don't think Matt Rule is, like, concerned about 2023 picks or 2024 picks. I mean, mm-hmm. I would be calling up the Panthers in the second and third round saying, hey, uh, you have anyone you like here? You sure you don't want to get back in? Maybe give us some draft capital for 2023, 2024. And so those are some of the teams I, I think to keep an eye on who I would be making phone calls to. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something good to think about, right? Matt Rule uh, doesn't necessarily have reason to believe he'll for sure be in Carolina come twenty twenty three. So those are just those are just a few of the other narratives that we're going to be playing out uh, in these next couple of days over the weekend. How about the two minute rule as one of your ten draft commandments? This is one that I like quite a bit. Explain us to the, uh, explain the rule to us, the two minute rule, and who this could potentially apply to in this year's draft. Yeah, you know, my thing is if you're going to spend big resources that could be free agency, that could be trade, that could be a first-round pick on a player, uh, you know, picture yourselves in kind of the last two minutes of a close game. I think over 40% of games last year were decided by seven points or fewer. And is that specific player on the field or on the sidelines? And if he's gonna, if you're not sure, then I would say hold off and relax a little bit because we know the way the league is trending. You need guys who can cover on defense. You need guys who can get after the quarterback. Offensively, you need players who can really impact the passing game. So, uh, Brees Hall, you know, the running back, as good of a prospect as he is, and he seems like a complete player who can kind of come in and contribute right away. You know, is he going to be pass protecting? Is he going to be catching checkdowns in that situation? Well, then I'm going to chill out a little bit and maybe take a flyer on one of these wide receivers or another player who can impact the passing game uh, a little bit more. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think Brees Hall, you you had sent me is plus 150 to be a first round pick. Man, I don't see it. Now, listen, there could be a surprise, but I was just going through it today and there's so many good players I feel like in kind of the end of the first round, beginning of the second round that I just don't see the value in spending one of those picks on a running back. I mean, maybe Buffalo. Right, there's been a little bit of of smoke tying him to the Bills. Maybe they're the one who like feels like they're totally complete and could use a compliment to Devin Singletary and frankly what Josh Allen does running the football there. But like, I honestly don't see anyone else being at all interested in a running back. Yeah, uh, I'm with you right there. And even the Bills, it's like. You know the old the old uh, scouting saying is that your needs today you know are not going to be your needs tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. something like that. Some football guy talk, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they need help at corner. You know, they've got a safety in Jordan Poyer who's going to be a free agent after the yep. season. You can never add enough offensive line help. And so mm-hmm. e- even you know if they did that, I would probably be pretty critical of that pick if they went running back in the first round. Yeah, just it doesn't feel right, and right, we're, like, we're like trying to shoehorn an argument into this, and it just it's even that doesn't feel. Right. Some of the ones that could feel right, though, are that, that that next, that third tier, I guess is what it sizes up as, of wide receivers. George Pickens, plus 100 to be a first-round pick, pick. Christian Watson is plus 115. And Sky Moore, plus 130. I think we could see some of those teams, especially the Chiefs, you know, most obviously, getting into a, a, one of those wide receivers because of the way those guys could have an immediate impact on the game this season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and especially what we've seen with wide receiver salaries. I mean, you're going to be paying your guy. Uh, We saw it with Tyreek Hill. We saw it with Devontae Adams. We're going to see it probably with A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. These guys are going to be making between, you know, 22 and $25 million a year. Now, I think it's a little bit overrated, the idea that you can just, you know, draft the next Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and plug (laughs) them in. I mean, those guys are really the exception. You know, I just looked this up uh, yesterday. The average uh, first First round receiver, their average production as a rookie is like 49 catches for 600 and. 
59 yards or, or something like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the chases and Jeffersons are definitely exceptions. But at the same time, if you're looking at it as somebody who can come in, contribute in year one, maybe something like Devontae Smith did last year, and then kind of make that leap in year two, there certainly are a lot of options there. I mean, Pickens, uh, you know, not to go back to Pickens, but he is the most intriguing guy to me because yeah. I think there's, you know, legit questions uh, where some teams might not even have him on their board because, uh, you know, they, they don't want to deal with it. And then there are other teams who are going to look at him and go, man, if we hit on this guy, like he could legitimately be the best wide receiver in this draft. So that ceiling that he has, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how teams weigh that. Definitely has a ceiling to be the best wide receiver in what is shaping up to be an excellent wide receiver draft. All right, uh, Shield. We know that every year in the draft, in the month leading up to it, and then even more so in the two weeks leading up, and then even more so in draft week, it's narratives galore. We hear so much about uh, what this unnamed scout said, what that unnamed executive said. We hear so much about these guys. We sort of can't help it because we've had uh, virtually nothing to talk about for the last month or so but the draft. So that's what always ends up happening this time of year. Another draft commandment from you. Use data to fact check the narratives. What data versus what narrative do you find most interesting leading into the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple. I mean, one is what we just talked about with wide receivers. I mean, if teams think that they're just going to find the next Chase or Jefferson and bring him in and that guy's going to be a star right away, like you need to really look at the hit rate uh, over the last 10 years or so to know that the likelihood is that's not going to be the case. Now, the other one, this guy's intriguing to me, is Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle uh, from Georgia, you know, just uh, a freak show athlete, I guess we'll, we'll hear them say mm-hmm. on the broadcast. I mean, we all saw him during the combine. They don't make many humans that size that move like he moves. At the same time, he has not been sort of a full-time play. He wasn't a full-time player there on that defense. He did not play on third down. He did not have a lot of pass rush production. And so, you know, if you're going to talk yourself into Jordan Davis with like a top 10, top 12 pick, and, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a swing on him because I, I do think the upside's there. But if you kind of just look at, is there a history of players, defensive tackles, not having that pass rush production in college, and then all of a sudden in the NFL, they are elite pass rushers. Uh, Does it happen? Yes. Does it happen often? No. No, it doesn't happen often. So the odds are kind of stacked against you um, a little bit there. So it's just, you know, using some of that stuff, you don't want to talk yourself into, hey, you know, once he gets into our, you hear them say it all the time, right? Once this guy gets into our building and our coaches get their hands on him, man, you wait till you see what we're going to do with him. Well, yeah, for some coaching staffs, that's true. For some players, that's true for others uh, it's not really going to be the case they're going to be the same player they were in college Jordan Davis over under right now of 14 and a half with the over a slight favorite at minus 125 under checking in at minus 105 one more commandment to talk about here Sheil and that is don't overrate things that might not matter and so much of this ultimately just flat out doesn't matter is there anything right now that is seeming to have an outsized position in the conversation as we are just about what maybe 54 hours away from the first round kicking off while you and I are recording this yeah, I mean, I mean, the Kayvon Thibodeau uh, discourse has been a little puzzling to me. Now, listen, maybe uh, teams have interviewed him and they know stuff that I don't know. And, you know, that will end up impacting his NFL career. But I'm always suspicious when it's like, you know, teams, the interview didn't go great, but you're not getting any real specifics. I mean, is it because the guy has his own cryptocurrency? Is it because, <laughs> uh, you know, he's uh, he's worried about his brand? I mean, what is it? All, all I know is that in late November, this 
this guy was considered like the number one overall pick in size, length, athleticism, production. I mean, all those things. He checks all those boxes. Does he play a premium position? Yes, he does. Every team is looking for uh, pass rushers. He's younger than a lot of the edge rushers uh, who are in this draft. It seems it seems to me like he has a high ceiling. You know, could he be like a Khalil Mack? type player like all those things I'm looking at it going are we sure he should not be the top overall pick Mm -hmm. in the draft and it seems like he's not going to be whether it's because some of those things um, in in interviews or the vague stuff that people talk about or not so um, that's one to me that if I were a team or if I were in a draft room and you know we were having a conversation about Kayvon Thibodeau and we said hey we love the film but I would sort of be like you know you're you're paid to kind of work with uh, different types of guys and different types of uh, athletes and personalities if you really love the film and you really love the upside, like don't overthink it. Go ahead and get this guy. Surprising also to see him, you know, he's not going way down draft boards over under a four and a half with the under being a pretty significant favorite at minus 185. So it's not like he's falling way down, but it is interesting to see that two of the players who are basically virtual locks, according to the betting market, to be taken ahead of him are edge rushers and Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. Yeah. It's just it's a it's a total change from where we were. I mean, like you said, literally six, seven months ago when Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you certainly can make the case for those guys. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson was a fantastic player last year. Trayvon Walker's upside, you know, size, length, uh, athleticism, you certainly see it. But, yeah, I would have Thibodeau, and I don't know why it's not sort of a three-man race, and we're wondering which of the three edge rushers is going to go first. And, again, who knows? Maybe Thursday night will come around, and uh, Thibodeau will go second, and we'll say, all right, that was a lot of conversation about oh nothing. God. But, uh, you know, there is a chance that he slides a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know, my, my opinion as we stand right now, and, uh, you know, you shouldn't be confident about any of this stuff, is that that would be a mistake to let that guy slide. Can you imagine if Trayvon Walker goes first and then, uh, and then the, the, the Lions pass on the, like, the most Michigan of Michigan men we've seen in a long time at Aiden Hutchinson and they take Kayvon Thibodeau? That would just yeah. be, be a perfect way to get this draft rolling. Yes, that 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 that, uh, that would be exciting. I love not knowing who's going to go number uh, number one. You know that always makes it especially fun. Going to be a super fun first round, kicking off what should be a really interesting 2022 NFL draft. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Shield Kapadia, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck, happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.